It's Wednesday the 31st of May. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Dan McHugh here, and I'm joined by Brisbane's funniest comedian, Shadwicka. Well, that is definitely a claim I cannot make. I'm the funniest Queensland comedian <laughs> on this podcast. How about that? Um, look, mate, I'm stoked. Today is Origin Wednesday. I'm in the great state of Queensland. I'm still dirty of the fact. I agree with my lovely premier at the moment, Dan McHugh, that uh, Adelaide has no right or claim to have State of Origin Game 1 in its in its city, if you could even call it that. This game should be played in New South Wales or Queensland, and that's where it belongs. Yeah. But regardless, I'm looking forward to a Maroons win tonight. Yeah, I, I think Adelaide don't really give one shit about Origin as much as we're trying to push it down there. I, I think Origin is obviously an exciting game to be taking around. Obviously, it went off in Perth and whatnot, and I get it. But I'm kind of over that every year one game gets played outside of New South Wales and Queensland. Piss off. Let's go back to the 2-1, 2-1. You know what I mean? Let's get it back to our traditional places and start taking NRL games over to these stupid little states that need to figure out a rugby league. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, enough of that. Let's move on. I think that'll put people <laughs> off NRL. Anyway, today on the show, we'll be discussing tennis, boxing, surfing, NRL, AFL and more. Someone you love could die of a sudden cardiac arrest at any age, any fitness, at any time. More than 80% happen at home, and chances of survival decrease by 10% every minute. And sadly, in Australia, around 50 people die from cardiac arrest a day while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. But now, you can increase your chances of survival with CellAid, the world's first mini personal defibrillator. It's simple to use and as small as a block of chocolate. Every home should have a CellAid. It's really a lifesaver. Buy your CellAid at CellAid.io. That's C-E-L-L-A-E-D dot I-O. Having a look at the French Open shad, Australia's Alex Diminor is through to the second round. Joining other Aussies, including Tanasi Kokonakis, Jason Kebler and Colonel Storm Sanders. Colonel Storm Sanders. Um, yeah, look, you know, the pop was knocked out as well at the French Open. I, the French Open, I'd have to say, and I, I reckon most people listening would probably agree, it is my least, in, like it is the of the, all the Grand Slams, it's the one I'm least interested in. Oh, Why? I don't get up for it each year. I don't get that into it. I get it. Like, I love that, you know, Nadal is one of the spectacles of it, even though he's not playing this year. But it's probably the one that I'm not really going, oh, God, I've got to stay up and watch the French Open. Wimbledon, I will. The US, I tend to from time to time. And obviously, the Australian Open, I'm all in. The French is the one that falls by the wayside for me. But look, Demon's game is probably more suited to the clay. He likes to sit on the baseline. He likes to play off the back of the court. He's fast, so he can move around when that ball dies on the clay. Um, look, he's talking it up. He, he's told reporters at Roland Garros that, you know, he can take on anyone uh, at the moment feeling a bit good, but um, also a bit bogged down by how, you know, he's a little bit, he's still a little bit frail, I feel. In Look, his tennis playing at the moment, I thought it was interesting to see how he um, he he actually kind of said that the the less vocal he is, and the more that he sort of um, stays in his own mind, the better he plays. So maybe he maybe he does need to hold off on the uh, on the big talk. Yeah, I also think on the other side of it as well, Kokonakis is a great story to have gotten through that first round. Um, I mean, he's had such a weird singles career. Um, oh, the cock. You know, some success, obviously, on Australian soil, but um, I'm hoping that he can try and make a little sneaky deep run 
at Roland Garros. That would get me really excited because I do love I do love the cock. There's a little there's a little grab for you. Uh, yes, you love the cock. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at the boxing. Tim Zhu's next fight, which is booked for June 18, is up in the air because he's undergone surgery after being bitten by a dog. Yeah, well, man, talk. We're talking about Kokonakis having a strange career. God, something strange happens with Tim Zhu like every time that he's got a fight coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's either his opponent deciding not to fight him or getting his name wrong. Or now getting bitten by a dog in the lead up to your interim title defense, a title match is just like, what? What what are we? How are you not trying to look after yourself? Something fierce when you tell us every week, week in, week out, that this is the most important thing. You know what I mean? Like it's. It also feel like it's a hard done bit of luck as well for him. But um, they already had to postpone this fight, I believe, once before. Uh, he's due to fight Carlos Concampo um, June 18th on the Goldie uh, to defend that super welterweight belt. I, The word is that he's going to be fine in some regards, but it's just... You know what I mean? It's like it's always something with Tim Zhu. It's just really frustrating with me. Like, oh, do you know? Do you know why I think that is? It's always something with Tim Zhu because they, that's just building the narrative. He's not really a noisy guy, but he is definitely a good boxer. So he's got a full team around him, writing down, you know, collecting and creating stories to keep him in the news. So we actually—it's also risky, like what's happening with him at the moment, because obviously he's got this interim title fight, and then the idea is that he'll fight Charlo later in the year, which if that ever bloody happens, and. But every fight he does before then risks that fight. Yeah, yeah. What, because of injury and that sort of thing, you mean? Or Well, if he loses. Like, if he loses the interim belt... He won't. Then he's not going to fight Charlo. He won't lose it. <laughs> well, stop patting dogs and just stay in the bloody trainer yeah. ring, boxing the bunch yeah, of I, I, the, the thing, The <laughs> thing is, you can't see... There's not really a lot of detail around what dog he was bitten no. by. All we know is that it bit him on a spot on the arm, which risks, you know, blood flow to his hands. Um, but I mean, people love keeping some seriously dangerous dogs, especially yeah. in boxing gyms. Yeah, that's true. A couple of pities yeah. rolling around. Although pities are exactly. little pitties. Oh, it depends. Some of them are a bit scary. Let's have a look at surfing. Speaking of scary, Ethan Ewing has been threatened to, to not attend a World Surfing League event in Brazil next month and was told it will be your funeral if you do. Yeah, this is a crazy... He got a death threat from a Brazilian fan, um, yeah, threatening for him to... to yeah, if he arrives. It, like, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's obviously quite serious for him to be kind of heading over there. I, who who would have thought uh, surfing can be so outrageous? You know what I mean? Like, to have death threats yeah. about a surfing uh, fight. Like, what do you do? Drop in on some guy last time he was in Brazil. So now this guy's been holding a grudge. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you see that um, video of the Brazilian surfer that attacked the woman in Bali? Yeah, you... Not so long There has ago. been a bit of uh, a bit of that going on in the surf world, hasn't there? Like, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's it- very territorial. But I also think um, if I was a Brazilian surfer and I heard that um, someone, well, if I just say as an Aussie, just say someone from our country started threatening my competitors, I would actually be on the side of my competitors. I would be like, yeah, no, 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 no don't threaten the dudes I'm playing against because because you don't want to beat someone because they pulled out. You want to beat them. Because you've beat them, right? Yeah, I, I think there's obviously they're not too happy with what's... Well, I mean, the Brazilian fans are acting like they're hard done by, even though Brazilian men have won the world title six of the past eight years. 
yeah. <laughs> when it comes to surfing. So it's like, I think yeah. it's one of those, you know, you, you're a bit entitled fandom possibly in the surfing world. I just can't take, like, I love that you and just shared the post on his um, socials and just said how good are, how good are surf fans. <laughs> but like, yeah, so, he's, yeah. so he's having a laugh about it. But I, I just can't take surfers getting angry seriously <laughs> just with how they sound. Like, it just sounds like know. someone's giving a surf report. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it just feels like watching Point Break to you, is that right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's have a quick break. We'll be back in a second talking AFL, NRL and more. Hi, it's David Poir here, host of the Employability Podcast. We have a new season of episodes for you to listen to. So if you're someone starting out in your professional career and looking for a way to get ahead in the corporate world, tune in. On the pod, we talk to a bunch of people from diverse backgrounds who have navigated their way to successful careers here in Australia. Find the Employability Podcast on any podcast app and click to follow. Chad, this is your favourite AFL topic. Uh, a panel investigating historical allegations of mistreatment of First Nations players at the Hawthorne Football Club has concluded making no adverse findings against former coaches Alastair Clarkson and Chris Fagan and ex-welfare manager Jason Burt. Yeah, well, didn't this just like kind of just pop up and then like ra- like wrap up really quickly and tightly for the AFL, didn't it? I- I'm, I'm so confused about reading this story. Obviously, I've been banging on about it for ages and I don't want to bore afternoon sport fans for too long, but... You know, Gillan McLaughlin said the inquiry took its toll. It seems like to me, from what I've been reading about it today, is that, you know, there was obviously people putting forward complaints about what happened with Hawthorne's treatment of Indigenous players um, during a certain period where we obviously had Clarkson and Fagan uh, at the club. Those two guys obviously defended themselves as, and, you know, if they are innocent, then rightfully so. Um, I've never once been like these guys were in the wrong. I was more about the club and its handling of their players and there's obviously a lot of questions there. That still will be under question. The AFL's left it open that they might investigate how Hawthorne dealt with these issues back then as a club. But it seems like it hit a roadblock because some of the people involved, like the families involved in these historical allegations, refused to talk to the panel along with some of the coaches around then as well. So it's like, was this wrapped up nicely and well, like, you know, well investigated or did it just simply hit a roadblock where it couldn't be investigated properly because of how poorly Hawthorne tried to handle this investigation? And I'm kind of leaning to the latter. I think that it's, it's like McLaughlin just tying a nice little bow into one of his last jobs as the boss of the AFL um you know there there was some uh there was some kind of word that from some of the complainants uh, one that was dubbed Amy saying that you know some of them felt heard uh which I guess is is fine at least we have a resolution with some of the commentary from it obviously we all want to move forward in it but I think the noise around this however swept under the rug I felt it was for 6 months or however long it was um Hopefully it does make a lot of... I think it has made a lot of other clubs probably look into their back catalogue and kind of go, what have have we done in the past? I mean, look, it's no secret that the AFL has a huge problem with racism. Uh, Yeah, we could say the country does. A lot of sports do. But the AFL seems to be the loudest when it comes to 
um, you know, whether it's fans or clubs being accused of these kind of allegations. So hopefully, even though this seems a little bit of a strange wrap-up of what was supposed to be a large investigation, uh, this puts a lot of teams... Uh, clubs on notice. Yeah, I think it's positive to think that this will create a, a, a pass-on effect through other clubs. Yeah, I think so. Well, let's move on to a, a more exciting topic. It's State of Origin Game 1 tonight. Uh, who do you reckon is going to win this one, Chad? Well, obviously I'm going to say Queensland are going to win, mate. Um, I think... Yeah. But let's be real. Origin 1's usually uh, historically a reasonably close encounter. Um, they yeah. always say... You talk to a lot of the former players and stuff. Um, obviously, I do a lot of a lot of work with Sam Thayde, and and he always says, you know, the first one tends to be the side that they want to put out there. They see how the strategies are going from either team, and then they make their changes for game two, um, for obvious reasons. I, I think this will be a tighter contest in uh, in Adelaide. I, I worry about this New South Wales size firepower. I know no Luttrell has got a lot of people concerned and I know that a lot of New South Wales fans don't like a lot of the guys I know aren't the biggest fan of Crichton, but the guy has been scoring pretty consistently on that edge for Panthers. He's been trouble for a lot of teams leading into this. I would argue that he's probably in better form this time around than, than he was uh, last year coming into the side. And when you think that the halves pairing for New South Wales is his halves pairing from uh, week in, week out rugby league, who are on top of the table, the Panthers, by the way. I really think there's a lot of firepower in this New South Wales side that might catch out that edge that um, confused everyone with no Gagai out there. That's my biggest concern as a Queenslander. I still think that Reese Walsh is going to be the story of this game. Um, I think I'm hoping it's for the right reasons. I can really just imagine a bit of Reese Walsh flair around Money Munster, who, one story that has kind of slipped on the radar is Money missed out last year, remember, for the um, for a part of that Origin series. He'd be itching to dive straight back in and, uh, you know, get another run at some, st- some Origin football uh, on what he missed out after the great Origin win last year. So I'm excited for this game tonight. My prediction will be Queensland win 22 to 18. 22 to 18. A lot of points. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, <laughs> I do think it's more exciting when um, Queensland win for some reason and people talk about it more here in New South Wales when that does happen. Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned Mitchell there. Sorry, what, how come he's not playing? He's got a calf injury at the moment, which is devastating for South Sydney fans because it's probably going to be about three to four weeks potentially. Picked it up at training. They've replaced him with Crichton. There's been talk of that whole Cleary with his wisdom teeth, but we know today that that's not going to be the case. Cleary's going to play. Yeah. Uh, I know that Fitler said, because a lot of people have been wondering how Nico Hines, who's one of the informed halves of the comp right now, um, and one of the more exciting prospects, uh, is going to be used in the game. He alluded in some uh, radio chat this week that I was hearing that uh, Nico Hines, he said, look, we, he's going to get a run at hooker at one point. Interesting to say that because it's almost following a little bit of the Queensland blueprint, um, having a half that can play hooker coming in off the bench or playing on the in the game at some form. Makes me wonder what Apicorosau is going to do in that situation. But the biggest interest as well, I think, is even with the trail out, is Turbo playing that roaming role now that he's uh, back in the side because that was dangerous when Turbo was in form for New South Wales last time around, was when he's floating around the back there looking for quality ball on the edges. And um, it's a good New South Wales side. Uh, Queensland's like got a great great depth in the forward pack at the moment, but that centres has always been really 
a kind of not a huge depth area for Queensland, even like, you know, over the last six or seven years, it's really been Gagai on one end and then just trying to figure out that other centre position. So now that there's no Gagai, it's really the uh, the Holmes and, and Hammer show in those centres. It's going to be interesting to see how that matches up because we know there's attack there. We know that Holmes is reasonably good in defence, although you know, he's in a side that got 66 points put on him the other week. But... Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that outside backs area there. I think it's going to be really exciting. Here's a weird hit tip for you. I reckon the first try is going to be scored by a forward. Right. That's going to be my little prediction for you there. I reckon a, a forward, maybe even a front rower gets over. I reckon I reckon it'll quite possibly be scored by someone playing for Queensland, but who is actually from New South Wales. Oh, like here we go. The team next All year. right. Right, <laughs> hey, we got the we've got uh, uh, Dennis Carnahan has been uh, in touch with us who wrote uh, Rugby League the musical, and he's got a, a fantastic <laughs> little musical number called "That's in Queensland," yeah. and basically lists off every single Queensland player that's not from Queensland. Yeah. it's quite. Fun. We can talk about all the ones in New South Wales that aren't from New South Wales <laughs> as well, if you like. But we're not talking not about exciting, that. Show. Is it? We're not talking about that. <laughs> But we might finish the show with with that, uh, that piece of music. Right. Um, is, was there anything else we need to touch before we finish? I uh, just want to let everyone know I did predict that the uh, Miami Heat would beat the Celtics in that awesome Game 7, rolling into Boston, huge fourth quarter from Jimmy Butler. Heat to win the entire NBA Finals. i got money on it. I feel like they can beat the Nuggets. Let's go. Um, that's in next weekend? Friday the 2nd of June. Is this Friday first, Game 1? Friday the 2nd of June. You beauty. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors, Cell AED. Also, we'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then. Could somebody please help me? I'm a little bit confused. When selectors choose for Queensland, could you tell me what map they used? Where you're born and where you come from, surely that's your origin. So could somebody please tell me what state these towns are in? Where is Sydney? That's it, Queensland. Suva Fiji. That's it, Queensland. Where is Bowerville? That's it, Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. State of origin, we're told, is all about state pride and the famous Queensland spirit, but we've been taken for a ride. How can they claim that spirit when all through history Queensland selected players from the wrong side of the tweed? Where is Hornsby? That's it, Queensland. Where is Minto? That's it, Queensland. Where is Tenterfield? That's it, Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. So it seems that origin is not quite what we thought. And finally, now New South Wales has got in on the rot. James Tamo's given up fish and chips, jandals and chili buns Like so many Kiwis before him to play state of origin Where is Auckland? That's it, Queensland Where is Christchurch? That's it, Queensland Where is Palmerston North? That's in New South Wales Queensland's everywhere Where is Sydney? That's it, Queensland Where is Fiji? That's it, Queensland. Pop one, you guinea. That's it, Queensland.